0: If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis.
1: My name is Corinne Pettit, and I'm here to discuss hard-to-diagnose and treat areas of psoriatic disease with dermatologist Dr. Robert Kalb. While we've addressed some of the specific areas in the past, such as genital psoriasis in November— We're here now to discuss the latest news about treating hard-to-diagnose areas, along with some areas that haven't been addressed previously. We're honored to have Dr. Kalb with us today. Dr. Kalb was a clinical professor with the Department of Dermatology at SUNY Buffalo School of Medicine. He also has a clinical practice with Buffalo Medical Group in Williamsville, New York, with clinical interests in psoriasis, inflammatory skin disease, and phototherapy. Dr. Kalb is a recognized national and international expert in the treatment of psoriasis who actively conducts clinical trials investigating possible new treatments for psoriasis and other skin diseases. Dr. Kalb is a member of MPF's medical board, which provides clinical direction, treatment guidance, and provider education oversight to the foundation. Welcome Dr. Kalb, thank you for being here to address the latest information about hard to diagnose and treat areas of psoriatic disease. So to start our discussion, what areas are considered difficult to diagnose and treat with psoriasis, and why is this the case?
2: Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. In general, psoriasis tends to occur in certain areas and presents as red scaling plaques or patches. There are areas where psoriasis tends not to occur, such as on the face and in the fingernails, and it can look differently in those areas. It can mimic other skin diseases, so it can be difficult to be sure it is psoriasis.
1: And what areas are usually affected on the face?
2: Psoriasis on the face tends to occur at the margins of the scalp, around the ears, in between the eyebrows, and along the sides of the nose. However, it can occur in other areas on the face as well, and can involve the entire face in rare cases. But it tends to occur in the fold areas of the face, by the side of the nose and between the eyes and around the ears.
1: So psoriasis can also occur in and around the mouth, which is rare. In Episode 62, we addressed oral health and psoriasis. Doctors Ben and Jessica Kaffenberger and Dr. Purnima Kumar mentioned geographic tongue and fissured tongue in association with psoriasis in the mouth. What are the most important symptoms of oral psoriasis to address?
2: So you are correct in that psoriasis in the mouth is rare, and there are some physicians who feel that true psoriasis does not occur in the mouth. There can be associated features, such as what was mentioned in terms of the geographic tongue, and in rare cases of pustular psoriasis, you can have small pushead-type lesions within the mouth. Psoriasis can occur at the edges of the lip around the mouth, which would be considered part of facial psoriasis. There are times when findings in the mouth, such as the geographic tongue, can indicate that psoriasis may be a possibility, but whether true psoriasis occurs in the mouth is still not for certain.
1: So another concern for the mouth is psoriatic arthritis. How common is this, and what should someone do if they experience TMJ-like pain?
2: Patients who develop psoriatic arthritis can have involvement of any joint, including the temporomandibular joint. They would notice some pain opening and closing their mouth and eating and some clicking in the area. So if they have these kinds of symptoms and have psoriasis and or psoriatic arthritis, it is a possibility that that joint is involved. And assuming there is treatment for the underlying arthritis, they can also, consult with their dentist or oral surgeon if there are other measures that may be helpful if the discomfort and pain continues.
1: And psoriasis can occur around the eyes or on the eyelid. What are the typical symptoms for this area?
2: Psoriasis often can occur in the eyebrows and occasionally be closer to the eye. There's similar symptoms in terms of the red scaling patches but there can be some more external irritations and some itching when it involves the areas closer to the eyelids.
1: And since the skin around the eye is so sensitive, are there any cautions for treating psoriasis near the eye?
2: When patients have psoriasis on facial skin areas, topical therapy is used, and there are cautions with certain types of topical therapies The most common therapy are topical steroids, although they come in different classes based on their strength. And in general, you do not use a stronger topical steroid on the facial skin unless for very brief periods under the physician's instruction. But it's important that if it is psoriasis and it is on the facial skin that you see a dermatologist who has some experience because there are so many topical therapies that can be used readily in these areas to treat the involved skin.
1: Another issue for the eye is the development of uveitis, which is more common with psoriatic arthritis. Can you please explain what uveitis is and what treatments you recommend for this disease, which if left untreated can lead to vision loss?
2: So we're all familiar with appendicitis. Itis means inflammation In the case of appendicitis, it means the appendix is inflamed. In the case of uveitis, it means the uvea is inflamed, which refers to the anterior part of the eye, which is around the lens. Now, the issue is is that if a person would have uveitis and stand in front of me, I can't tell that they actually have that because it needs special equipment from an ophthalmologist eye doctor to determine that. The symptoms of uveitis though are nonspecific. There is a mnemonic RSVP, which stands R for redness, S for sensitivity to light, V for vision change, and P for nonspecific pain in the eye. If a person has some of these nonspecific eye symptoms and has a diagnosis of psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis, it would be best to see an eye doctor to determine if that is a possible cause. It's unusual to develop these problems, but it is something to look into if the symptoms persist.
1: I've also heard that psoriasis can occur not just on the outside of the nose, but also on the inside of the nose. Are there any treatments that can be used if this occurs and any cautions?
2: Psoriasis can commonly occur on the sides of the nose. Again, whether it truly occurs inside the nose on the mucosal surface is controversial, but certainly it can develop at the opening of the nose on the skin in this region. So fortunately, there are many topical therapies that are now available for treating psoriasis on the facial skin, including the nose. And as I mentioned before, there are topical steroids. There are topical medicines based on vitamin D, there are topical medications which have uh, some complicated medical names such as calcineurin inhibitors, PDE4 inhibitors, and JAK inhibitors, but the point is, is that there are many different options, and all of these medicines can be used to treat psoriasis on the face, around the eyes, around the nose, but again, it's important that the best one of these medicines be used for each individual patient. This requires the involvement of the treating dermatologist. So there are effective treatments. And again, on the facial skin, the primary concern is not to overuse these stronger topical steroid agents.
1: So as you know, having psoriasis on the face can at times lead to psoriasis around and possibly inside the ear. In fact, 39% of people living with psoriasis experience psoriasis around the ear. While we've talked about this in episode 27 with Dr. Van Voorhees, what do you believe are the most difficult symptoms associated with psoriasis in or around the ears?
2: As you mentioned, the psoriasis occurring in and around the ears and the scalp margin is very common. One of the main problems with ear psoriasis is it involving the external ear canal. So that can cause some difficulty in terms of hearing and some discomfort pain, and developing secondary infections. And so it's important to treat this early on to prevent any of these problems. And fortunately, again, as I mentioned before, there are many different topical options for the psoriasis in and around the ear, but if it's in the actual canal, it's often better to use solution-type medicines, which are in the form of drops, which can be applied with a little finger or with a Q-tip to treat the area to prevent any secondary infections in the ear canal.
1: So isn't scalp psoriasis probably responsible for psoriasis in the ears or on the face?
2: Scalp psoriasis is extremely common, and many people who have scalp psoriasis have extension to that area behind the ear and often extends onto the front of the ear or all the way around the ear. So again, it's just a common area of involvement. So oftentimes when you treat the scalp itself, you tend to use medications which are in a liquid or solution form, whereas if you're treating the skin around the ear or on the surface of the ear, you're using the topical cream medications.
1: We've addressed nail disease in episode 74, discussing the pits and trials of nail disease with dermatologist Dr. April Armstrong. We know nails are considered difficult to treat. One question we didn't ask, which is more common, fingernail involvement or toenail? And why do you feel nails are considered difficult to treat?
2: As a general rule, psoriasis is more common in fingernails. The problem becomes that nails grow quite slowly it may take six to nine months to grow a fingernail in its entire length and double or triple that for a toenail. So if a person has extensive psoriasis on their body and they're on the appropriate medication, their psoriasis can often begin to clear in a matter of weeks or certainly within a matter of a few months. The problem is is that The nail changes, the nail benefit may be measured in terms of many, many months because of the slow growth. And so it's always behind in terms of the time to respond, and it's hard to determine if it's even helping only after a period of many, many months. Fortunately, the advanced biologic therapies that are so effective in treating psoriasis in the skin are often very useful in treating psoriasis of the nails, although in many cases the topical therapy can be an adjunct and can be beneficial in helping clear the nails along with the skin.
1: Pustular psoriasis, which involves pus-filled bumps surrounded by inflamed red or discolored skin, can also be difficult to treat, especially when it affects the hands and feet, which is also known as palmo-plantar pustular psoriasis. While we've previously addressed more about this disease itself with Dr. in episode 104, I'm curious, given the constant use of the hands and feet and the impact on daily life activities, what recommendations do you suggest for your patients?
2: As you mentioned, pustular psoriasis, particularly involving the palms and soles, can truly interfere with the patient's quality of life. It may even be difficult to walk if it's severe on the feet. It certainly can be difficult to perform any type of job with frequent use of the hands. So the most important issue is to have the proper treatment to do the best to clear up the actual condition. So that's the the main first step. When treatment is effective and the skin is in better shape and the patient's able to resume their activities, it's often important to keep the hands moisturized and to minimize any external friction or trauma when it's feasible to do so. So again, the main step is to have the proper treatment to improve the condition, and the second step is to try to maintain it with the appropriate mild soap and moisturizer.
1: And lastly, although we've talked about current treatments, are there any new treatments in the pipeline that may be a benefit for the hard-to-treat areas we've discussed today?
2: Psoriasis treatment is divided into systemic therapy where the whole body is treated with something such as phototherapy or an oral medication such as methotrexate or an injectable biologic medication. Fortunately, these medications are very effective for psoriasis in general and also are effective for the hard to treat areas. And I've had some discussions with my patients I remember back to about the year 2000 so this is just a little over 20 years ago essentially we only had a couple of systemic agents for psoriasis and they weren't that effective and now we have i believe it's 13 types of new biologic medicines that have developed in these past two decades so it's truly been a pleasure to treat patients because you can help them so these internal systemic medicines are quite beneficial for patients in general and they also tend to help the hard to treat areas. So if a person has more widespread disease and requires these agents, a tough to treat area like on the face or in the ears or in the groin or in the fingernails will often improve. The other exciting aspect is now the different topical medications. I mentioned some of them, but there are likely to be three or four new topical medications improved in the next couple of years. And these often work in different mechanisms and may provide benefit when some of the previously tried medications that are currently available are not working. So it's a very exciting time to treat psoriasis primarily for the patients that are affected because there's so many options now and there's newer treatments soon to be available.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kalb, for addressing the hard to diagnose and treat areas of psoriatic disease and for ending on such a message of hope for such areas. It's helpful to know what can be done to treat such areas and what's coming for the future.
2: Thank you very much.
1: For our listeners, if you would like additional information about hard-to-diagnose-and-treat areas, contact the Patient Navigation Center to request a free quick guide, Hard-to-Diagnose-and-Treat, by calling 1-800-723-9166 or by emailing education at psoriasis.org. And finally, thank you to the following sponsors who provided support on behalf of this program through unrestricted educational grants. Amgen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Janssen, Novartis, Pfizer, and UCB.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of SoundBites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.